0: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Well, we've got one final game here in 2023, the national championship game between the doubted and the despised, and we break it all down right here on The Three Technique. One man.
1: Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 25, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game!
0: One last game, one last preview here before we kick it into year three and Trey, this one feels special. This one is new, it's different, and it's a matchup that we've never seen before on this scale. It's something that I think has the entire sport really excited about it, including one Pac-12 coach who said this is the first time that he's been excited about a national championship game in the entire playoff era. It feels like Monday night ought to be a really special one in the history of the sport.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, for people that are just more excited about this one, it's okay to just say you don't like the SEC. But, uh, you know, first time we haven't had an SEC team since this thing started. We're bookending the four-team playoff with lack of SEC teams, first one and last one. And it does feel special, though. It's two teams going for their first title in you know almost all of our lifetimes in the case of Michigan and in our lifetime in the case of Washington so it's fun to have new faces it's really fun to have just a refreshing tone behind this national championship game and it's really fun to not have a lead into who's going to win because I feel like recently you know maybe one of the George Alabama matchups aside it seems like it's been pretty you know lopsided in the spread. It seems like it's been pretty much a given who's going to win. I think there's matchups that both of these teams can exploit and there's multiple ways that both of these teams can win this game.
0: I, I totally agree. That's something that we're going to break down in great detail over the next 45 minutes or so. Obviously if you're new here to the three technique, we're glad to have you can't wait for you to join the Jimmy's and the Joe's be a part of our regularly uh, scheduled previews and recaps. We're doing. Uh, we've been doing two episodes a week during the season. We'll go down to one during the off season. But we've got a lot of fun guests lined up. We've got a lot of content coming up. Uh, we're gonna keep this thing rolling all the way through the long dark off season. Uh, we survived. Uh, we survived the the spring and summer of uh, twenty twenty three. We plan to do the same. For 2024 a big shout out obviously to our sponsors the transfer portal cfb for making this episode possible they've been a tremendous partner all season long and we're going to keep that party rolling as well we'll be writing off-season content over on their website transferportalcfb.com so make sure you check that out and also shout out to our sponsor homefieldapparel.com the good brand Uh, You may have uh, missed the the Christmas special, the 12 Days of Home Field. That's okay. Start your 2024 off right with the softest, best-looking collegiate apparel on the market. They do bomber jackets now. They do hats now. They're not just T-shirts. Although, Trey, you and I, big fan of the comfort colors that they've got going on, the retro logos. Uh, You can use our code, 3TECHPOD. You get fifteen percent off your entire order. Trey rocking the uh, the Loyola shirt just in time for college basketball season. Um, yeah, they're 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 great logos. So make sure you you check them out. Trey, Michigan favored by four and a half uh, as of right now. This is uh, Thursday night, year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-four. Just a couple of days away. Are you surprised it's that high of a spread in favor of the Wolverines?
1: I'm not because I think they've earned to be four and a half point favorites this year. You know, we talked a lot about leading up into the Rose Bowl, a lot about how impressive Alabama's win over Georgia was, how it was probably the most impressive win in uh, the whole college football season up to that point. I think Alabama, or Michigan's win over Alabama topped that one for me. It was very affirming for how talented this team is. It's very affirming that they can go in and beat up on an SEC team, the big bad boys from the South. They hadn't done that in the past, especially under Harbaugh. it had been a long time since we'd seen Michigan on a big stage like this assert their dominance like they do in the Big Ten. So I think they've earned that. I think Washington, at least from the general public, is kind of the happy-to-be-here team, kind of like TCU last year, getting the upset win, at least if you look at the Vegas spread in the semifinal round and getting to the playoff. Quite frankly, you know, when you think about why betting lines are made the way they are, they're designed to get action. And there's going to be two contingents of people, people that know Washington can compete and jump on that four and a half point spread to bet the underdog. And there's a whole other group of people, probably the more casual fan, I would say, that looks at this matchup and says, oh, we're just going to get another repeat of last year. Minus four and a half is a lock, And that's not to say that Michigan won't win this by more than four and a half. They could win this by multiple scores. I would not be shocked to see that. But I really don't think it's going to be another layup like it was for Georgia last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like this championship game is the first one, at least in a little bit, where I really don't know what to expect from this game. I think we all had the the gut feel that even though TCU upset Michigan last year that the Georgia Bulldogs were in an entirely different weight class, right? And And, and they showed that to be true.
1: On our previous show for that game, I was scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to give people a reason to tune in. Honestly, like I, yeah. I, in my heart of hearts, we were we were spinning it and we wanted TCU to compete. But in my heart of hearts, I think we all knew what yeah. was going to go down. Maybe not to that magnitude, but we knew it wasn't yeah. going to be pretty for the Horn Frogs. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was not the that was not the Bill O'Reilly special. We we did have to kind of squint uh, to to get that game to be competitive, and I think we all. Settled. If I if I remember correctly, we all settled on multiple score win for Georgia. Now, did we think it was going to be like you said that much of a beatdown? No. So much so that we started our recap, and I believe our recap may be the most popular episode on our YouTube channel ever. We started that recap in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And like, We went on air and we were like, "Yeah, guys, <laughs> like we we've got work tomorrow. We're trying to get this out, and uh, you know, Georgia's Georgia's not letting their foot off the gas anytime soon." Um, this game is going to be much, much different. And and like you said, there are so many factors. There are weaknesses, I think, on both sides that each team can exploit. Uh, we've got four storylines that we want to preview in this game. We've got key matchups as well. As far as storylines go, where where do you want to start out of a couple of directions
1: we could go? Let's talk about, I mean, we talked about this a little bit off the top, but, you know, my byline here. It, it, the jokes write themselves, right? About the insert Big Ten joke here, this classic Big Ten matchup between Washington and Michigan. but Rivalry. Yeah, big conference rivalry here. But it is a fascinating storyline that we are not having an SEC team in this matchup.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it is. It's the first time in nine years that an SEC team has not been represented, which is a bananas stat by itself. It's the first, uh, first time since the initial playoff when Ohio State won, that an SEC team hasn't been in. So kind of bookending it, if you will. Uh, And I think that's significant for one main reason. I mean, you know, say what you will about whether Georgia should have been the fourth team in the playoff or not over Alabama. Um, I think we know that Alabama was not in their best shape this year. But for all the mistakes that the Tide made, and I didn't get to be on the the recap pod with you guys, but I I thought you guys did a good job of covering it. Michigan was the more physical team. The Wolverines were the better team on the field in the Rose bowl. And that just frankly, isn't something that we've really ever been able to say about a big 10 team beating an sec team, namely because it just doesn't happen all that often at, at the highest level. Right.
1: Yeah. And you know, we see it a lot in the bowl games where there's opt outs taking place You know, you build your own narrative about those games. They either matter or they don't, depending on if you win largely. But you're absolutely right. It it was Michigan looked like the bully SEC team in that. And usually, when we see these matchups at this point in the season, top dog versus top dog, it's usually the other way around. The SEC team imposes their will. But Michigan, you know, just can't say enough about the job that they did in the Rose Bowl game. Like I said off the top, it's the most impressive win of the entire college football season for me, not because. You know, I think Alabama's the best team, but I, just the way that they won that game, the way that they used their physicality and they just in, uh, in, inserted their will on Alabama the entire game. It, it was fascinating to watch. And I just don't think that we've seen a Nick Saban coached Alabama team have that happen to them. So that's really impressive for Jim Harbaugh and company. And I think they're going to have to do it again this week because what we saw Texas do, was try to establish the run and establish the run really well. They were getting seven, eight, nine yards per carry uh, uh, often in the first half of that game. Then they get down. Their defense gives up a couple scores. They give a couple takeaways, and they go away from the run game. They go largely go away from the run game. They put it on the backs of Quinn, U- back of Quinn Ewers and his arm, and Washington holds. So, Michigan, I don't think, is going to go away from the run game. That really surprised me with Texas. And I don't think we'll see that happen with Michigan. Usually when you see a Steve Sarkeesian coach team, they will lean on what's working. They will, you know, to the point of it just being redundant, they will keep running the same plays that are working until you prove they can stop it. And that's what makes them one of the greatest offensive minds in the game. But for whatever reason, they, you know, whether that was a deficit or whether that was feeling like they needed to, you know, pass the ball more, um, whatever reason that was, they got away from the run game. I don't think we'll see Michigan do that. They will, you know, there won't be an SEC team in this game. There will be an old school SEC style definitely taking place in this game.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the main reason that I picked Alabama to beat Michigan was I thought they would find a way to control the trenches. Once again, uh, that's what they did to Georgia. Very unexpectedly, in my mind, you brought up the speed that the tide had. And yet that really didn't come to fruition, right? Uh, Michigan... Was the better team in all aspects. We'll talk about uh, a top offense and a top defense here in just a second. But I I was pleasantly surprised with which, with the fortitude, I, I guess I should say, that Michigan played. And you're right. Washington, for all their flaws in the running game, they found a way to win. And, you know, you can have your opinions on both of these teams, but I feel very confident that. In a system that may not be geared to give us the best two teams anyway, with the playoff committee and all of their errors, I think we got really, really close to seeing. Okay, who really proved it week in week out on the field? I think it's given us those two teams. They're obviously undefeated, both fourteen and zero. Um, both reached that fourteen and zero mark very differently, but at the same time, I feel I feel good. About this matchup. And and that leads us into storyline number two top offense in Washington, top passing offense, top 10 scoring offense in the country against the top statistical defense in the country uh, in the Michigan Wolverines. We'll break down the X's and O's here in just a minute in the matchups. But from an entertainment standpoint, how excited are you to watch Michael Penix Jr. go up against the nation's best? a secondary that locked down those speedy wide receivers that Alabama threw at them.
1: I couldn't be more excited because it's a test of the utmost magnitude for both sides. Because you look at the wide receiver core in Washington, I think top to bottom, that wide receiver core is the best in the country. I know there's some fans in Columbus, Ohio, that would take umbrage with that, but the results on the field speak for themselves. Like during the Sugar Bowl, you saw it. And I think a lot of the country that maybe wasn't paying attention to Washington or didn't watch as many of their games, finally got to see the greatness that Roma Dunze is and why he is probably going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. This is a fantastic test for Roma Dunze, the rest of that Washington receiving core. This is a fantastic test for a lot of the NFL caliber defensive backs. that are going to be wearing the maize and blue in this one too. I think you know NFL scouts are going to be salivating at that matchup, because you're going to get to see the best of the best on both sides of the ball, going up against each other. What more could you want at this stage in the game? Right? Like, I can't remember a time that we've gotten this in a national championship game recently, like the best defensive back unit against what, in my opinion is the best wide receiver unit in the entire country. That's just a fantastic matchup. And, you know, Maybe those two cancel each other out and that ends up not being the deciding factor in this game. But whoever steps up to the occasion, whoever makes the bigger plays at the bigger moments in that matchup, it's probably gonna tell you the story of who wins the game.
0: I I agree. You know, I I all season long I've brought this up. I took a ton of flack over on Twitter for picking Roma Dunze to be the Balitnikoff Award winner. And listen, did he win it? No. Marvin Harrison Jr. did. I, I think the voting system for the college football awards is an extremely flawed system, maybe even more so than the playoff committee currently is. That's a different soapbox for a different day. And honestly, it's not a unique opinion. Look around the the college football landscape. I don't think anybody uh, actually believes that the folks that have those votes are, uh, are, are plugged in with the game. They're all old beat writers from days gone by that frankly do not watch The game and so brand awareness and the the logo on the front of the jersey certainly comes in. All of that to say, Adunze had an incredible season. Uh, He had 87 catches, 1553 yards. That's over 100 yards a game. He had 13 touchdown grabs as well. I mean, bar none, this kid is as electric as a big game. Uh, Playmaker, as I think there is in the country. And you're right, he gets to go up against Will Johnson and that uh, terrific Michigan defense, like that one Pac 12 coach said that I led off the show with. This is the most excited that he and I think collectively we have been for a national title game in in quite some time. Tell me about the legacy defining nature of this game. For our third storyline, we look at the coaches. Jim Harbaugh versus Kalen DeBoer, one the much maligned son of Michigan, the other uh, a little bit of an unsung hero at least in recent years former offensive coordinator at Indiana, had his his moment in the sunshine at Fresno mm-hmm. State and then comes to Washington and has very quickly taken a 4 and 8 program and turned them into an undefeated conference champion playing for much higher stakes. For Harbaugh, with all the rumors that we continue to talk about, the NFL, the distractions, the off-the-field stuff, this feels like his one moment to prove for maybe the rest of time, if he rides off into the sunset and takes takes another job after this, that he is an elite college football coach, that he can get it done. On the other side, it's a, a real chance for DeBoer to maybe have a statue built in his honor while he's still on campus.
1: Yeah. It just a fascinating coaching matchup to be sure. And, you know, I can already hear some of the fan bases around the country saying, well, but, but when this gets taken away by the NCAA, then that's going to hurt Harbaugh's legacy with, even if they went stop, just stop. Like it, it's not going to hurt his legacy. Like you don't hear people, you know, complain. Gene Chiswick still has a national championship <laughs> ring last I checked. Ooh. And even with all the drama that was happening with Cam Newton that year. So doesn't you know, he have a job though. He does not. Well, he works at ESPN, man. Doesn't he? Doesn't he like, get to talk in the halftime shows sometimes? He, he just got like fired
0: that. from North Carolina.
1: Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, he might be back in the studio really quickly then. Um, <laughs> I forgot he had taken the North Carolina job. That's yeah. hilarious. But listen, you know, this is a huge game for Jim Harbaugh. And I think it, he wants this, you know, more than anyone else on this planet. He wants to prove the doubters wrong. He wants to have this season that's been, you know, just a big egg on the face of the Michigan program. Every time that that's come out or something's come out or some scandal or some, you know, anything has happened on the field, they've kind of shut the doubters up and or shut the naysayers up if you're a follower of uh College Game Day and Jalen Milro. But Woo. um yeah, don't don't want to get sidetracked on that. But um I think this is a huge game for him. He wants this more than anybody else on this planet. And that that's going to be a big factor into this game. Whether or not you think he's going to take an NFL job in a couple weeks. I don't think that that really, I, I really don't think that's on the forefront of his mind. He wants to win this game for his alma mater, for his own legacy. And quite frankly, for the guys in that locker room who have been through a lot of drama and a lot of just ups and downs this year. Like I can't imagine the coaching job that's happened to keep that locker room together. I know the jokes write themselves about the t-shirts and the free Jim Harbaugh, even though he accepted the suspension and all that, like that's hilarious to joke about, but that is a tumultuous time to go through as a locker room. And I think he's handled that, you know, a lot of it's his own cause, right? A lot of it is his own doing, but he's handled that really well. And he's kept the team focused on the task at hand. He wants that on the other side with DeBoer, man. I, I've heard a lot of other people in the college football space joke about how, like, maybe even in Seattle, if he was in a bar, he could just, you know, unassumingly drink his beer and not have anybody bother him because how many people actually know what he looks like? Uh, because he's just such a new face to the game. But this dude has won everywhere he has been. He was a key to an electric offense at Indiana. He won well with Jake Haner at Fresno State. He won in the NI, uh, NAIA. He won at division and in the lower divisions. Dude's just a winner. It doesn't matter what level you're on. If you can coach, you can coach, and he's proving that this year. Clearly one of the rising stars in the profession. I think he's done enough. Like One of my biggest things on these newcomers in the coaching circle is don't jump on the bandwagon too quickly. Yeah. If you're on the Kalen DeBoer bandwagon, you're not on there too quickly because he has proven time and time again, level after level, The man knows what he's doing. He knows how to coach. Like he—he is truly one of the next great rising stars in college football. Whether that's at Washington or another program, I don't know. But he is going to be a surefire star in the coaching ranks. Win or lose on Monday.
0: Yeah, you bring up a good point, right? It's not like he uh, is—you know—a young up-and-coming coordinator that's just kind of stumbled into this success. Maybe like a Lincoln Riley did. Uh, he's won at the lower levels and he's won national championships.
1: He did it the hard way. He did not get the, you know, no one can tell him that he was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. He did it the hard way, grinded for, you know, decades to work his way up. And now he's seen the fruits of that.
0: Totally, totally agree. I I joked off the top that, you know, we've had Catholics versus convicts, right? in, In the past, everyone loves to come up with a funny acronym. I joked off the top that this is the doubted versus the despised and listen, fair or not uh, to, to say either thing about either team. I think those narratives generally hold true, right? And you explain the Michigan narrative, all the scandal again, that's a lot of self-imposed issues, the the cheeseburgers and opposing sidelines, right? Kind of sum up Michigan's troubles uh, over the last two seasons, but
1: and the, the fact that Stallions was at the Rose Bowl and will be at this game that's just hilarious to me that he's still finding a way into the stadium
0: the american dream baby that's yeah. the american dream um but for washington they've been doubted at every step of the way and i've been i've been a part of that you picked them to make the playoff in the preseason i mean you you deserve your flowers here uh and well before any of us I feel like whether it be myself, Garrett, any of the, the hosts uh, or uh, guests that we've had on the show, you identified them as, hey, I think, I think this team could be legit. I think they could find their way to compete for a national championship game. And I think the, the area that I got kept getting caught up with was the defense, right? Oh well, th- yeah, they have an electric offense, but they might be the best half team in all of NCAA history, right? Their defense is extremely opportunistic. They they give the, the bend, don't break moniker uh, it's, its definition, right? They're going to give up a ton of yards, but then they're going to find a way to turn you over in the red zone. Can that last? And first, I thought it would come to an end against Oregon. And then I thought it would come to an end against Oregon State before surely the Ducks beat them in Vegas, right? And then finally, I gave the Longhorns the edge to, uh, over them in the Sugar Bowl. It's just one of those things where I, I, I look myself in the mirror and I go, OK, how many excuses are you going to come up with before you just pick the Washington Huskies to win the national championship game? For as much as Michigan has said, oh, the, this hate fuels us, right? It's Michigan versus everyone. Do you think there's an element of being doubted that Washington has been able to harness this year?
1: Oh, I'm sure there is, because they weren't a bad team last year. They won 10 or 11 games last year, won a big bowl game against Texas in the Alamo Bowl, and they came into the year with, you know, one of the most electric quarterbacks in the country, definitely one of the most electric quarterback wide receiver combos in the country. And they knew that, but not a lot of people outside of Seattle were giving them credit for that, even after they displayed it the year before. But the thing about Washington is the thing that I think I love the most about it is, they probably are using that as motivation. They probably are using the doubt as motivation, but you would never know it. Like they just kind of quietly have gone about their business. They've gone about their deal. They played a lot of close games. They are battle tested um, from one of the toughest conferences in the country this year. The PAC 12 top to bottom was maybe better than the big 10 this year. Top to bottom. I I don't think that that's taking too far of a stretch to say, but you would never know. They, they don't wear that on their sleeves, right? They are definitely probably being motivated by that, but they don't wear that on their sleeves. They don't, you know, it's kind of annoying sometimes when teams say, you know, we're, we're motivated by being doubted. When Kirby Smart says, you know, everyone thought we're, we would go seven and five. Like, no, they didn't. Shut up. Washington has used that as motivation that's carried them through the season, and they're battle tested. Like, you don't just win. Eight or nine straight 10-point g- games by 10 points or less by accident. That's culture. That's a winning foundation that they have up there in Seattle. And it's impressive. And, and if anybody on that Michigan sideline thinks that they're in for a cakewalk, I think they're sorely mistaken because Washington's I mean, like you said, Mitch, like the national narrative on Washington all year long is they'll trip up at some point. They'll trip up to Oregon. They'll trip up to Oregon State. They'll lose in the Pac-12 championship game. They'll lose to Texas and they just keep winning. That's not on accident. That's not fluky. And, you know, at some point, the luck might run out, or at some point, they might just win the whole dang thing. And I think that's a very, very real possibility.
0: Huskies have a little bit of uh, of the, uh, the Texas Rangers in them, don't they? I mean, gosh, bit. an electric offense, the defense that has gotten better With time, right? It seems like every new week it's like, well, that concern kind of went out the window or, oh, gosh, they found a way to address that. Uh, It's
1: opportunistic and it, like you said, it's been, but don't break. They're going to force a couple turnovers. JJ McCarthy takes care of the football really well, but Mm -hmm. Quinn Ewers and that Texas offense had taken care of the football really well. And you look up and they fumbled twice, forced fumbles, and it completely changes the game in the second half of that sugar bowl.
0: It absolutely does. Let's move into our key matchups. And we've got a couple of players and stats that we've got here on uh, on the sheet. So feel free to sprinkle those in as, as we talk. But without a doubt, the first matchup that I think you have to build any national championship narrative around is in the trenches. It's what Michigan did so well against Alabama. It's what Washington was at least able to do offensively to give Michael Penix Jr. time to throw the football down the field trade to me. I'm looking at a front four for Michigan that sacked Jalen Milrow six times in the Rose bowl, including five times in the first half. They have a forced fumble that becomes points on the other end for the Wolverines, but they're going up against the best offensive line in the country. The Joe Moore award-winning offensive line Texas's defense certainly gave them a lot to handle, but they did just enough to give the lefty gunslinger time to find Odunze, to find Polk or McMillan. In a battle between two strengths, is there a way that you lean traditionally?
1: Well, I lean towards the offensive line. At least I don't know that I have one that I lean traditionally but Washington showed me enough last week to say that they can hold their own against anybody. That pass rush of Texas is ferocious and they held their own. Michael Penix had to scramble a little bit, but they gave up zero sacks in that entire game. That's insane. Like that, that is why they won that football game. Michael Penix had time to work. He had time to move. He was not, he, he was pressured, but he was not, I don't even know if he was knocked down honestly Mitch like if he maybe if he got out of the pocket one time in like a fluke situation, but I'm struggling to remember them even getting to him to knock knock him down And that's not a story that we've been able to tell about Alabama. Yeah, Michigan had a fantastic game up front, but that Alabama offensive line couldn't even snap the ball at points in that game and it, it it's just it, it, it's gonna be a fascinating matchup to watch Michigan's defensive line. They're not nobody's like we talked about in the lead up to the Rose Bowl. They're not the um, you know, they're not the Michigan defensive line of a couple years ago with Aiden Hutchinson. But they've got talented dudes up there that will be playing on Sundays. Washington has talented dudes on the front line, too, that are going to be playing on Sundays. I lean the Huskies in this one based on what I saw in the Sugar Bowl. I think they've proven themselves. They can handle that pressure and it's not going to come as easily as it did for Michigan as it did in the Rose Bowl.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll pretty much echo that. I don't, I don't know if uh, I'm going to lean one way or the other. I think this is two incredible strengths that, uh, you know, folks may miss in in the battle of you know the air raid versus that secondary quorum uh, on the other side running the ball for Michigan, seeing what the Wolverines can do offensively. But I really think uh, the the big uglies up front. You watch how Michigan stunts, how Washington's offensive line polls and passes off assignments, I think that is how this national championship is is ultimately won. But of course, that's not the only position group on the field. Nor well, and if I group
1: could group. add one more thing about that, though, before we move on, yeah. like Washington did not have to play behind the chains at all in that Texas game. Like they they ba- they backed up a couple times with penalties. But of course, with no sacks, you're not off schedule. So if Michigan does get a couple of sacks, if it derails a couple of drives, it won't take very many. I don't think with Washington's defense being the more opportunistic type and not the shut you down type. It's not going to take six sacks to swing the game in their favor. It could just be one or two that they get off schedule and that could change the game the same way that six did against Alabama.
0: Or if you're Washington, you just find your trusty old tight end uh, and uh, you get seven uh, when you're behind the chains, get back on schedule. Everything's, Everything's rosy for the Washington Huskies. Um, On the other side, I I sort of mentioned this. Michigan's ground game against what is a softer Washington defensive front. That is one area that the Wolverines will certainly have an advantage in. Now, it's not exactly like the Wolverines run rough shot over their opposition on the ground. Uh, Michigan comes in with just the 62nd rushing attack, 159 yards game uh, but I think what you could point to is Michigan plays a very different style of offense right where they're not needing to run up the score they a lot of times inherit short fields with uh, the turnovers at the defense force or field position still I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for both Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards to run up the middle between the tackles against the Huskies if Texas and, and you talked about this, if Texas had just stayed committed to that, if Cedric Baxter hangs on to the football a couple times, maybe it's a different outcome for the Longhorns.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they got away from that run game. They leaned more on the passing game. It wasn't working because that, despite what the numbers say, you know, um, it, it's more of the strength for the Washington defense is that pass defense. The combination of their pass rush and their corners, um, Muhammad in particular. That's the strength of the Washington defense and running right up the middle, like you said, is a soft spot that Texas exploited really, really well. And other teams throughout the year exploited it as well. Like Oregon in that first matchup exploited that really well. Um, But, you know, Michigan has been very, very efficient on offense, right? It's kind of like the reverse of Washington's defense, where you look at their total numbers, you know, 97th in total defense, but. 53rd in scoring, that works out okay. If you're middle of the pack in scoring, that's all that really matters. Michigan's 73rd in passing, 62nd in rushing, but 14th in scoring. And that a lot of that is from the short fields, like you said. A lot of that's being very efficient with long, drawn-out drives. That shortens the number of possessions that you get, yep. shortens the number of yards that you can ultimately end up with. So, again, like I said with the sacks, if you get them off schedule, if you're Washington's defense and you just get them off schedule, like they rely, Michigan relies on the long methodical drive. They can score quickly. We saw that in the Alabama game, but largely throughout the season, it's been the long methodical drive. It's been the slow crock potting style of game where they just kind of slowly choke their opponent to death. If you get them off schedule, if you force them to punt a few times, like Alabama did, it can all of a sudden throw off the rhythm of that offense and, you know, make it a whole nother game. If Washington's able to come out and get a couple stops to start this game and their defense or their offense goes down and scores a couple touchdowns. I I don't know that Michigan's built to necessarily come back from a multiple score deficit. We just haven't seen them have to do that um, very often the last couple of years, but when they do get down, when they do get down early um, you know, I'm thinking about the, the, the uh, playoff game last year, semifinal last year, semifinal the year before that, when they get down early, it's not the offense is not built to come back from those multi score deficits. So that's the key there. If you can get Michigan off schedule, if you can somehow slow down that rushing attack, if you're Washington, adjust your defense, you know, maybe play more man on the outside and just rely on your corners to make a play, slow down that running game somehow, some way, get them off schedule. That's going to have to be a key for Washington to win this game.
0: It's hard to talk about these last two matchups kind of without talking about them hand in hand because on one hand, you've got a mission secondary that's going to go up against guys like Odunze, 1,500 yards. Jalen Polk, 1,100 yards. Jaylen the guy McMillan people forget used... about
1: the other 1,000-yard receiver that they found. Exactly,
0: exactly. Jalen McMillan, who did not get to play all of this season, missed four games, 526 yards. Four touchdowns to his name. This is a loaded and, and, and then my boy uh who uh, I'll be honest didn't know his name uh until until the Sugar Bowl, uh, but could certainly give him a here we go, what, 37? Uh my my, my pale skinned uh tight end over there. They've got a ton of weapons with which to operate. Michigan's defense, which for sixteen interceptions this season right, one of the top marks in the entire country, Sandra Still, Will Johnson, Rod Moore, those guys that have become household names defensively for Michigan, I'll, I'll say it. this is without a doubt their biggest test in my mind, and, and that includes playing against Ohio State and Maserati Marv. I, I don't think those offenses are comparable. Uh, names, names are certainly recognizable over in Brian Hartline's wide receiver room but to me, the on-field production, the results, are over in Seattle, Washington.
1: Absolutely right, and it's because of the quarterback that's throwing them the ball, right? Obviously, they have a ton of receiving talent, a ton of tight end talent. The slander will not be heard here, but um, it, it's it's a combination with the quarterback throwing them the ball, right? Because you know Kyle McCord and uh, Michael Penix Jr. are just in different stratospheres, and you know we talked about how. Jalen Milroe is probably the best athlete, definitely the best athlete at the quarterback position, but I thought Jalen Milrow would be the best athlete that Michigan had faced this year, including Maserati Marv, including, you know, um, Emeka Ibuka, all the weapons at Ohio state. I'm not even going to mention anyone else in the big 10 because they're just all frankly too slow to be considered in that conversation. <laughs> but um, I mean, Tell me I'm wrong, Big Ten fans. You, you play a different brand of football. But Jalen milrow they, they handled him well. They schemed out. And when your pass rush is getting home like they were, yeah. there's not much athleting can do. Michael Penix Jr. is by far the best quarterback that Michigan will have faced. Maybe, you know, going back, I know they've shut down some really great uh, Ohio State quarterbacks. Stroud, um, the last couple times that he played them, but is Michael Penix Jr. a better co- college quarterback than CJ Stroud? I, I don't know that I have the answer to that question, but this is going to be the best quarterback that they face this season by far. And it's going to test them the throws that he was making at Texas, the throws that he's been making all year. I don't care if you have Darrell Revis and, you know, um, our, our, our uh, Shavon Diggs back there at yeah. the quarterback yeah. positions, Like you're not going to defend that. The throws that he can make, and the time that he gets from the offensive line, you can't defend that. So it's going to be a team effort for Michigan. The defensive line has to get pressure. The linebackers have to play discipline because Washington doesn't like to run a lot. But when they do, if they can gash you for five or six yards, that just opens up the passing game more. So linebackers have to be disciplined, and you know the receiver, the defensive backs have to find a way to keep up with those receivers. They've done a great job all year against offensive attacks that where you can key in on one, maybe two guys, Washington does a fantastic job of scheming everybody open. And that's my concern for the Michigan defense. They had six players catch three or more balls. The, the Huskies did in that sugar bowl. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible to defend when you're having to take that many guys into account. It's not just the top two of a and Polk. The other guys can hurt you as well. And they'll be schemed open if you focus just on those two guys. So, it's going to take a team effort for, for Michigan to slow down this offense. They're certainly capable of it. We've seen it time and time again where they just suffocate teams. They suffocated that Alabama team, and it was a great team effort on defensive side in the Rose Bowl. Going to need to see it again in the championship game for them to bring home the big trophy.
0: Last storyline here, Trey, before we
1: make our predictions and get out of here, and it comes down to turnovers. In our notes doc,
0: I wrote turnovers, turnovers, and more turnovers, and I think specifically – Special teams turnovers really concern me. That was one thing that no team has done well in this postseason. You you look at all four teams making special teams errors. Washington early in that game against Texas had a real chance to go up by 14 to put that game maybe away by halftime. Uh, For Michigan, they tried their best to lose the game, missing field goals, uh, flubbing punts. I mean, it was truly a miracle that I think the – Hyde still found a way to not win that game. Bottom line, take care of the football uh, is a, ma- a massive key to this game, whether you're throwing it, running it, or obviously cleaning it up on special teams. There's clearly one team that historically has done that better this season, and that's Michigan, plus 17 differential in turnovers. Washington just has a plus two. And as I mentioned, that's with the defense going berserk, especially especially the secondary coming up with really opportune uh, times for turnovers when you have such a disparity. uh, Can you explain that away for Washington or does that feel like a big chink in the Huskies armor?
1: I, you know, I I think Michael Penix had a rough stretch in the middle of the season where he was throwing more interceptions and they've had some fumbling issues at times as well, but No, I mean, at this point in the season, 14 games in, your turnover margin is what it is, right? Like you are getting just barely more than you're uh, you're getting in back more than just barely more than you're giving away. And like you said, that's with, um, you know, Washington going step for step almost with Michigan, the number of interceptions that they've gotten. I will say Washington has had a fluky low number of fumbles recovered, and that might be an explanation Because it's not like they're turning it over three times a game on offense, right? But, um, you know, they, they had a stretch in the season where they had to clean that up. Obviously, they took care of the football really well outside of the muff punt in the Sugar Bowl. And that's going to be a key. Michigan, like we said earlier, thrives off of the short field. They thrive off of their defense setting up their offense, whether that be pinning the other opponent back and getting a short field after the punt or just taking the ball away from the other team and starting in positive territory. Washington can't do that if they want to win this game, especially when they have when Michigan has the talent advantage at so many positions and in so many matchups. It's going to come down to the little things like turnovers and limiting the big plays. So, you know, that's clearly an advantage that Michigan has. If you look at the season as a whole, Washington has to play similarly to they did in the Sugar Bowl and hold on to the football and punts if they want to win this one.
0: All right, almost 45 minutes worth of previewing one game, and heck, I'm sure we could go for another hour 45, but I think it's time to officially make our prediction. As I mentioned earlier, you have been on the Washington train all season long. You've been in the camp of Penix Jr., of Kalen DeBoer. Not that I haven't, but I've recognized the talent, obviously picked uh, some award winners out of that group, but I never thought that they would be here Playing for a national championship, they're four and a half point dogs in Houston, Texas, against the Michigan Wolverines, the top team in the country. Can your Huskies go a perfect fifteen and zero and claim their first national title since ninety one?
1: Mitch, the Huskies can and they will claim their first national title since nineteen ninety one. I've been on them all year. I'm not going to abandon. I know I tried to abandon them in the Sugar Bowl, but I'm not going to abandon them now. (laughs) <laughs> in the biggest game of the year I, I I'm sorry I have you know paid my penance I'm back on the train baby let's go huskies I think this is gonna be a fascinating game I don't even know what score to predict and I'm picking mostly on just vibes of Washington right now and the yeah you know just a team that I've really fallen in love with this year as I've gotten to watch them closer and I will say I think that there's one maybe two paths to victory for Washington. Like the offense has to be clicking and they have to get some big stops on defense. Michigan, I think has more ways to win this game. So if you're looking at like, you know, betting the money line, definitely safer bet is on Michigan. I just think at some point we have to admit that Washington's passing attack is historically great and they've made really solid defenses look silly all season long for stretches of games. I'm going with the Huskies. I'm going to go to the tune of 31 to 28 in a thriller, maybe a walk-off field goal, but it's a close one all the way through 31, 28, Washington.
0: Certainly agree. I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. You know, when you talk to college football coaches from around the country, most of them are surprised that Washington – is a dog, certainly by nearly five points, considering both of these teams have found ways to continue to win, continue to beat very, very good opponents, albeit by doing it in different fashions. I also agree. I think Washington has more paths to victory. I think the Michigan path to victory is the far simpler one. Best secondary in the country, you force a couple turnovers, you hand it to your running backs, and you run it against a very weak, Uh, rushing defense, you take the air out of the ball, and you beat beat Washington to claim your first national championship since 97. That being said, I think Washington has the keys, has the tools to win this, and like you said, put this out of Michigan's reach more so than the Wolverines can do to the Huskies. There's not going to be a game where the Huskies are out of it because of their quick quick attack right and that, in that big play offense. I do think one key area to watch is, is Dylan Johnson going to be healthy? He was obviously yes. hurt on that last play from scrimmage for Washington and play- Muhammad.
1: And if, if, if their number one corner is out, that could be a big yep. deal too.
0: Yep. And nearly cost them nearly cost them the game uh, going down due to that energy, uh, injury and stopping the clock. So Washington has to be healthy. And I think, uh, from what I had heard, again, we were recording this on a Thursday, From what I had heard, it seems like both might be able to suit up and play in that game. If all else is equal, I think Washington does have more tools to do this. And and listen, Michael Penix's story is one for the record books, right? I mean, it is a Disney-like story. He's been hurt his entire career. He reunited with the, the guy that believed in him all the way back in Bloomington. Kalen DeBoer has engineered this offense along with Ryan Grubb around the talent that is Michael Penix Jr., a guy that I think should be the number two quarterback in this NFL class um, ahead of guys like Drake May, certainly um, ahead of you know some of the other guys in the class like Spencer Rattler that you might find. I'm also going to roll with the Huskies. I think this is a 31-21 game. I think it's close, but Michigan's able to score, or I'm sorry, Washington's able to score late to maybe push this to a two-score game. Give me the Huskies. I'll ride with Washington. I want to see Washington win this game. I really love their story. I love the way that they've built this team, and frankly, I love the the blue collar mentality that that coaching staff has brought to work every single day. You you know me. I'm not a big drama guy, and you know while Michigan's us versus everybody story is is cool that they've made it here. I've been a little tired of the constant storylines back and forth. I know that's going to ruffle some Michigan feathers. I know we have, you know, go blue listeners on this show. But if you're asking me to pick a team that I believe in, that I want to see win, I'm going to go with the Washington Huskies. I'll take them by 10. Trey, I'm excited. I'm excited, man. Like we said, no SEC team in here, whatever your opinion on the SEC is. Uh, I think we can all agree that we were, maybe a little tired of the same same song, different verse, whether it was Alabama or LSU or Georgia, it's nice to have fresh blood in this game. It's nice to see that other programs can develop to an elite level outside of the southeastern part of the country. It gives us a ton of hope, man, heading into the 12-team playoff, in in my opinion, that you know you get hot like a Washington team. You can have a quick turnaround. You can have a quick rebuild. I think that's a great example of how the transfer portal plus heist, the right high school recruits has been used under a, a great coaching staff to build a winning program.
1: Absolutely. And I'll just say one more thing before anyone can uh, accuses us of being a Washington podcast, Garrett's not here to give his prediction. I'll just say it for him, Michigan by 40. That would be his prediction yeah. here. Uh, our biggest big blue supporter on the show couldn't make it tonight, but Doing him a solid to get his prediction in there. Michigan he'll take Michigan by thirty or forty.
0: I, hey, we love it. He's been right so far. Right? He we has he, both- he has
1: been locked in on the Michigan narrative. So yeah. I would try i would I would trust him honestly on the, anything Michigan related at this point. I would. There's only one of us on the
0: show that got both the semifinals right. And it's neither of us in the podcast <laughs> right now. i'll I'll say that much. Uh, we will be doing a live stream. After the national championship game, very similar to how we did last year. Hopefully we get to wait until the clock hits triple zeros, but we will be live on our YouTube channel at three tech pod. You can find us on social media as well. Same handle at three tech pod. Give us a follow. We'd love to have you be a part of the Jimmies and the Joes. And as I said, off the top content does not stop because the national championship is over. We'll go to one episode a week, but we'll have plenty of video content rolling out on Twitter, X, Instagram, and on YouTube as well. For Garrett Turney, for Trey Reeves, I'm Mitch Mason. We're excited to watch this National Championship with you and until next time, so long everybody. Gracious. how about